let me ask you, have you ever had a fickle friend? Uh, maybe it was somebody who you went to school with when you were young. Uh, somebody that uh, you look forward to seeing every day. They're the ones who made your day. Somebody who was closer than a brother. In fact, uh, your parents or your friends would kind of joke and uh, call you frickin' frack or Batman and Robin or whatever. Uh, somebody that just made you feel like you were important. Somebody that you even believed you would die for and they would die for you. Maybe it was somebody you went to high school with or college. Somebody who stood by you in the stressful times of uh, academic warfare. Somebody who encouraged you and told you that you were better than what you thought you were. Somebody who shared all of your deepest dreams and your deepest fears. As someone who told you to dump that guy or that gal who didn't appreciate you. Uh, maybe it was somebody you worked with, somebody on the job who, who taught you the ropes, who came alongside of you and supported you to the point that part of the reason you were even staying in the job was because of them. They were the persons who covered for you when maybe your kids were sick. They were the persons who sung your praises when it came time for promotions. Maybe it was a spouse that person that told you that you mattered more to them than anyone else. The one who would call or who would text you and say to you that they couldn't wait to see you again. The one who came before God and took a vow to always have your back, to love you like they've loved no other person. But then all of a sudden, things began to shift. Your best friend at school seemed distracted and too busy to take your call or your text. Soon, you found that they were sitting at the lunch table with, with some other kids. And when you approached, they act like they didn't know you or didn't want to know you. All of a sudden, that high school or college friend meets the love of their life and they no longer have room for you within their life. All of a sudden, that person who supported you at work and who sung your praises now becomes a company man with their promotion and no longer laughs at your jokes about the workplace but sees you as just an employee. And worst of all, the person who said to you, I do, but now they don't. The person who said that they would be with you forever now wants a better deal. All of a sudden, the person who you loved has told you that they're out and that you and your future are on your own. I don't think there's anything more painful than a fickle friend. And it's made me wonder, does God ever feel that way?
Does God ever feel that his friendship with us is something fickle on our part? Well, when you look at the scriptures, you see it all over the place. You see it with the nation of Israel who would be with him in bad times, but in good times, they would abandon him and leave him for some other lover. We see it in the New Testament with uh, Judas who betrayed him and Peter who denied him. We see it in the book of Revelation when Jesus appears to John and he speaks to the churches and he says to the church of Laodicea, you're just fickle. You're neither hot nor cold. You're neither with me or against me. Your, your passion is gone for me. I don't matter as much. Fickle friends. This morning, as we look at Paul's letter to the Romans, as we look at the last verses of chapter 13, verses 11 through 14, Paul gives some pretty good advice to us about not living there, about not being one of those people who take their relationship with him for granted, who are willing to be fickle when something more shiny comes along, who are willing to no longer have time for him because they're so busy with other things. As we look at this passage this morning, I want you to see an over lying principle within the passage. And the principle is this. Time is a measure of meaningful of a meaningful or fickle life. Time becomes a measurement. Because in God's economy as we're going to see time is precious. In God's economy, time is never wasted. God is always doing something. Time matters to God. And it's called to matter to us. It's what makes a difference of living a life that is truly meaningful. A life that, that has passion and action. Or a life that is so fickle that we're hard to even predict or chart and our words never seem to match our lives. This morning, as we look at this passage, I want to share with you three things that the Apostle Paul lifts up to us of how to avoid it. How to stay above living a life that's a waste of time and that's fickle before God. So let's look at the scriptures. Look what Paul says, verse 11, and do this understanding the present time. Now let me just stop there for a second. Understanding the present time. 
In the Greek, there are two words that are used for time. One is chronos, which means chronological, you know, one thing after another. And the other is uh, cryos, which is, refers to periods of time, epochs of time. That's what Paul's talking about here. The present time that we are living in. It's interesting that when you look at what God is doing in the world, that God has a plan for everything. That there is, as, as the writer of Ecclesiastes tells us, there's a time and a season for everything. I mean, just think about what I, this, what I call the stages of man, if we can put that up there. When God brought us into being, the first thing that took place was creation, the beginning. That God created, and he created us with a purpose. One, to experience uh, the love and the community that he and his son and his spirit experience. You know, you've heard me say before, why when we get married do we want to have kids? Because we feel a sense of such a powerful love between us that we want to share it. God in the stages of man began, there was a beginning, and the beginning was based on his love and to meet his longing to share that love with others. Creation. Secondly, a stage of redemption. When Jesus came to this world, when he came to die for our sins, to redeem us, that our lives wouldn't be lost because of the act of the fall. Third, consummation. It's that period of time in the end where Jesus comes back for his people, where the books are closed and judgment takes place. Paul is saying, if you could put back verse 11, and do this understanding the present time. The present time Paul is talking about is this time of redemption heading towards consummation. He says, and do this understanding the present time, the hour already has come for you to wake up from your slumber. First thing that Paul would tell us is this, wake up. Wake up. Understand the time in which you're living in. Not only is there uh, stages of time in how God brought everything together, but there are stages of time in our salvation. If you can put that up there. One of the first things we see is what we call justification. When you accepted Christ as your Savior, you became justified. That means this, that forever God looked at you as sinless. Why? Because when you received Christ, every time God looks at you, he sees his son. And he says, we're good. After justification comes sanctification. That's what's going on right now. It is God making you good. He's already declared it for all of eternity, but now he is making it. He is through his spirit conforming you into the image of Christ. 
And lastly, glorification. When one day on the other side of paradise, we will be as we were always meant to be. That's what God is doing in our lives. Paul says at the present time, at this time of redemption, or in a more personal way, at this time of sanctification. Put up the verse again, please. And do this understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Every day we get closer to Jesus coming back. Paul wrote these words over 2,000 years ago, and they lived with this sense of urgency that Jesus was coming back. We, we, we think about that and we say, well, obviously they messed up. Obviously they missed it. But Paul didn't miss it. Paul understood the time. He understood that this was the time of redemption moving into consummation. This was the time of sanctification moving into glorification. This was the time to wake up because everything matters. What you see in these verses is something powerful. And it's this. That God is always in motion. God always has a purpose for every minute of your life. And here's the problem. When we live as fickle people, when something comes along, some better deal comes along, and, and, and we think, yeah, I just want to follow that for a little while. I just want to check it out. I just, I just want to taste it a little bit. We're wasting time. And time determines whether our lives become meaningful or whether they just become fickle. All of a sudden, we're, we're sitting at a table with a bunch of people who really aren't our friends. And our real friends we've left behind. What we see in these verses is time matters. Paul says, to avoid being fickle, you need to wake up. You need to recognize and understand your environment and what is going on. We don't think like this, do we? We think paycheck to paycheck. We think vacation to vacation. We think retire work to retirement. We think uh, college to marriage, marriage to kids, uh, kids to nursing home. <laughs> That's pretty depressing. <laughs> Just when you get done taking care of them, they're taking care of you. But we don't think about redemption to consummation, about sanctification, what we're really supposed to be doing. There's this story of uh, this salesman, new salesman, 
and uh, he's a vacuum cleaner salesman, and so uh, he goes out uh, on the road with uh, his manager, who's going to teach him how to sell vacuum cleaners. So they go out, and um, this guy knocks on a door, and, a woman, and the woman opens the door, and he just bullies his way in and says, hi, I, I'm Mr. Black, and um, I'm here to sell you vacuum cleaners. You know, we sell the best vacuum cleaners in the world. And, and he takes his jar out, and he dumps all of this just muck all over the floor, dirt and gross grime, and he says, if our vacuum cleaners don't pick up all of that, I'll lick the rest up with my tongue. And so he vacuums it, and it's spotless, and the vacuum cleaners are just like he said. So he does it a few more times with the, this young guy, and, and finally he says, do you get it now? Do you, do you understand how to do this? And so the young salesman says, sure, I, I, I get it. So uh, next day he goes out by himself, and he sells vacuum cleaners. He knocks at the first door, a woman lets, opens the door, and the same thing, he bullies his way in, and he says, hi, I'm Mr. Brown, and I'm from uh, uh, Enterprise Vacuum Cleaners, and we sell the best vacuum cleaners uh, there are out there, and he opens up his bottle, and he throws his stuff on the floor, and it's just a grimy, greasy mess, and he says, if our vacuum cleaner can't pick that up, I'll lick it up with my tongue. And the woman says to him, well, you better start licking because we're out of power. <laughs> you got to know where you are. You got to know what's going on around you. You got to pay attention. You got to pay attention uh, to what you're seeing and what scriptures say. Scripture says in, in latter days, people will no longer want to hear what's true. They'll just want to hear what their itching ears want to hear. Paul says in, in later days, everything is going to be upside down and backwards, and those are the days we're living in. And we can't act like people just living from paycheck to paycheck, vacation to vacation. We've got to really understand What's going on? How do you avoid being fickle towards God? One, you got to be willing to wake up. You got to be win willing to put away slumber. In fact, let me give you a great definition from uh, the Encyclopedia Britannica for um, slumber or sleep a state of inactivity with a loss of consciousness and a decrease in responsiveness to events taking place. How would that define your life and your faith? A state of inactivity. Unconscious to what's going on around you. And a decrease of responsiveness towards God. Yeah, I know I missed another Sunday, and, I, and, I, and I'm meaning to get there, but it's, it's just so busy. And, you know, so much is going on, as if whatever's going on is something we created, not something that God gave. I know the Bible says I should 
but it's just not practical, and so I don't. All of a sudden, unconsciously, is the way that we're living. And living mindfully, consciously, passionately, goes right out the window. How do you avoid being fickle? You wake up. You realize the time that you're living in. And you, and you act. Brings us to the second thing Paul says to us in the passage. He says, the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Paul says that we are to wake up. Second, he says that we're to gear up. He says that we are to put aside the old way of living. And we're to gear up by putting on the armor of light. Can you just go back one? That we are to live different than the people around us. That we are to put on what this world needs to experience and isn't. <clears throat> it's interesting. Uh, George Barna did a poll that was uh, pretty indicting in the church. He said 33% uh, of self-identified Christians polled do not live out their faith on a daily basis. This is up from 25%, showing that the number of worldly Christians is increasing. Bonner says only 7% of adults in the USA have a faith that affects their behavioral choices. They discuss faith with others, encourage people, volunteer for church, turn off their TV if the show gets vulgar. Tom Clegg and Warren Bird write these words. The inescapable conclusion is that we must throw out any notion that God is truly at the center of the church's heart in North America. The shift in society's view of the church has resulted in the marginalization of the church and the secularization of society. Christianity has lost its place at the center of American life. Christians must learn how to live the gospel as distinct people who no longer occupy the center of society. We must learn to build relational bridges that win a hearing. Lastly, Charles Stanley writes, we know we should avoid a certain place, then we should avoid it. But we go there anyways. We recognize a particular weakness for a particular activity, but we tempt ourselves anyways. And that's how we get in the mess we're in. It's time to gear up. To live a life that is meaningful and not fickle means we live up to the name. The name Christian means a partisan of Christ. It means a follower of Christ. I love what Francis Chan says, followers follow. 
they show up, they gear up. I don't know if any of you have ever been to Washington, D.C., the tomb uh, of the unknown soldier and the honor guard that, the guard that is there. Or, or maybe you, you, you've been to uh, Buckingham Palace and you've seen the guards that are there. Do you ever notice something? They're not drunk. Odd. You think standing there all day, they'd find something to do. And they don't smoke cigarettes when they're there. And they're not on their cell phones. And they're not chatting with the crowd. Why? Well, because they understand we're the honor guard. They understand we have a job to do. We have a duty to perform. And so we gear up and we do it. And we don't engage in those behaviors. See, God is saying the same for us. Don't waste your time living like everyone else lives. Don't let it be that one day when God flips on the light switch, we're found carousing. We're found partying and living it up and doing just as everyone else is doing <coughs> and not living like anything matters. We might be able to hide at this present time, but the lights are coming on. And if you're hiding now your behaviors, God will reveal them later. It's time to gear up. It's time to grab a hold of God's word and let it be close to your mouth and close to your heart. It's time to experience the freedom of living outside of the temptation and the addictions of sin. It's, it's time to become more. I, I, I saw a great sign the other day. I, I was in um, Hobby Lobby because I was getting my knitting stuff. The sign said this, if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. If it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. Throughout the scriptures, there's this call from, from Proverbs right through the New Testament, throughout the Old Testament, put away lesser things. Stop living your life for enjoyment and start living it for growth and character. Paul would say to us, it's time to wake up and it's time to gear up. Lastly, he would say, it's time to dress up. Look what we read. Rather, close yourselves with the Lord Jesus and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. You know, in Jesus' day, he shook up the world around him. 
And he gave us his spirit that we might put it on and shake up the world around us and not be shaken by the world. A bland life isn't a life. A life where you're not truly experiencing the power of Christ is not a Christian life. You can live fickle. You can know him. You can receive salvation. And you can color along the edges and outside. But you're not going to experience life. Shake up the world. Put on Christ. Dress up as if it matters. Those of you who go to work or go to school, how much time do you spend looking in the mirror, making sure you got it right? You know, uh, yeah, for men, unfortunately, they need a lot of work. But ladies, yeah, you walk, watch ladies walk in the workplace, they look well kept. And some men do too. Why? Be, because they want to put forth their best. What would it be like for you to put forth your best? To put on Christ. We said it last week. Before there was grace, there was love. Love is what extended grace to us and gave us peace. And love is what God wants us to put on in Christ. To love our neighbors, to love our enemies. To love everyone around us because we have put on the armor of light and we have put on Christ himself. We are willing to put the interest of others above our own. That's what it means to put on Christ. It means to live sacrificial and intentional. It means to live confident that you're not missing out on anything, that you're not going to be deprived of anything, that what your friends or neighbors have that you don't have doesn't matter. It means that no matter how people treat you, isn't dependent on whether God loves you. There was a farmer who was bringing his father's uh, carriage uh, full with um, all sorts of uh, farm goods in it. And um, while he was traveling back to his house, uh, they hit a hole and and the carriage tipped over and so the young man got out and he kept saying oh father is going to be so upset and meanwhile a neighbor came out by the name of Willis and, and said to him hey what are you doing he said well my cart dumped over and I got to pick all this stuff up and um 
And he said, well, look, you know, I'll help you with it. But, but right now, come on in for dinner. You know, my, my wife has made this incredible dinner. And, um, you know, before we do any of this stuff, we should eat. I'm sure you're hungry. And so come on in. We'll have a nice dinner together. And, and so the young man thought, well, yeah, okay. That, I wouldn't mind a nice dinner. So he went in, and, and he ate with the man. And after a few hours, um, you know, the kid said, I, I need to get that stuff picked up because father is going to be so upset. And um, the, Willis said to him, you know, where is your father lately? And he said, under the cart. <laughs> it's kind of a farming version of under the bus. But I, I wonder, does God feel like that with us? That we would just throw him under the bus? That we would leave him behind? That we would forget that the mission is his? And the honor is ours. So I just want you to think about it. Whether you read your Bible this week or not, what will it mean about your relationship? And your relationship with God is not about reading your Bible, but it helps it. When you go to your workplace... Will you try to represent Christ and the quality of your speech and the productivity of your work? When somebody cuts you off, will you know you know what? <laughs> or will you put their interest above your own? Will you live faithful with your spouse? Will you live faithful and not fickle with your friends? Will you do everything you can to make sure that it shows that you're awake and you know what's going on? And you know the one who saved you. And you know that the time is ever near whether... Jesus comes tomorrow or a hundred years from now. Because the truth is, the time is near. If Jesus comes a hundred years from now, the time's still near because your hair is getting gray. You're going to meet him one way or another. Will you live consciously of that? That right now, God is at work. And right now, everything matters. And everything is perfect if we understand that wherever we are, God would have us to be there and that it is rich with opportunity. And that out of 
devotion. We would grow an emotion for him that would drive us into action for others. Let's join our hearts together in prayer. Father God, help us to live lives that are not fickle. For we have all experienced it. From the very early years of our youth, through our adulthood, and even in marriage life, we know the pain of having a relationship that was active and mattered and then all of a sudden having it withdrawn. Let us not live that way towards you. Let us live in a manner that we are truly grateful and that we want this time on earth to be meaningful. And so let us understand that anything outside of what you've called us to is fickle and a waste of time. So help us to redeem the time. And to know that in doing so, we will find a greater joy and a greater peace and a greater satisfaction. I pray for anyone here who hasn't received Christ as their Savior. I pray, Lord God, that you would open their hearts and their minds, that they would hear the invitation that has been sent out for the last 2,000 years to call your people home. And I pray for each and every one of us. Let us go forth this week with a renewed commitment that we will seek to live a life that is meaningful so that we might avoid a life that is fickle. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.